Hey, New Song family. In this teaching, Tiffany opens up the little discussed topic of what the remnant is supposed to look like, pulling two qualities from scripture that convey God's favor and his justice. She also shares a recent prophetic word that is specifically for the remnant. I pray that we respond with faith and boldness. God bless. We're going to talk about two things, dew and lions. Do, D-E-W, and lions. Do, anybody know what do is? Basically water. We're going to talk about what that is. But I want to share with you guys what the Lord has put on my heart this week, and it's been building up over the past six months. But this week it really crystallized. This morning we're going to talk about the remnant. And if you've hung around New Song for very long, you've heard that term used a lot, the remnant, the remnant, the remnant. And it means different things to different people. But I want to encourage us this morning that the remnant is actually a biblical idea. Okay? Can somebody look up 1 Kings 19.18? And somebody look up Romans 9.30-33. Who's got 1 Kings? Okay, let me give some context before Greg reads. Greg's about to read something that God is saying to the prophet Elijah. Elijah, at this point in the story, is feeling very alone. He's on the run. He's on the run from wicked queen Jezebel, who is after him to kill him. And he goes up to this mountain to have a conversation with God. And God gives him instructions after encountering him in this crazy wild way. And what does God tell him, Greg? God says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed to Baal. What does that mean to you, Greg? What does that, can you translate that for us? The Lord has chosen out of a multitude 7,000 people who have not bowed the knees to an idol, bowed their knees to an idol. Exactly. Okay, pay attention to that. By the way, at the time that this story happens, the nation is in chaos and incredibly dark, incredibly evil. And so God is telling Elijah, I've got 7,000 men who do not yield or bow to idolatry. Okay, one characteristic of the remnant. We don't bow to idols. Okay? Second, Romans 9, 30 through 33. Who's got that? I want to read it. You want to read it, Jeremiah? Do you need help finding it? Now, before you read it, let me just say this. Paul is talking here about the nation of Israel and how God has not allowed for his purposes the entire nation of Israel to see the truth. Remember when Jesus was walking on the face of the earth and he would basically say, or one of the gospel writers would say, this is because they had eyes that didn't see and ears that didn't hear, right? Jesus shows up to his own people who should have known to expect him and they missed him, okay? And so Paul is talking about that here in Romans chapter nine. And this is what he says. Jeremiah read verse 30 through 33. Okay. What then shall we say that the the Gentiles who did not pick Pursue right righteousness by faith, but um, the people of Israel um, who, who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they they, they pursued 
it not by faith, mm. but as but as if it were um, by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, as as it is written. See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Mm. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Excellent work. Way to go. Okay, so Paul is basically saying here that another characteristic of the remnant, if you go back and reread that in whatever translation you have, another characteristic of the remnant is that they are people of faith. They are people of faith. Not all of Israel was saved. Only those who believed were saved. Okay? Have you guys read stories about where Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats? Right? Last week at the Macaulay's, we talked about the verse where Jesus says, Depart from me, I never knew you. And they said, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do all these works of righteousness in your name? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Ouch. That's a tough verse, right? So what I want to encourage us in is that this is a biblical idea. There is this concept of even within those who think they are in the kingdom, like all of the nation of Israel thought we're God's people, we're in the kingdom, right? That doesn't necessarily mean they're in the kingdom. It's those who have a heart of faith and walk in obedience to the Lord and do not give their souls over to idols. Okay? So, this is the verse that the Lord took me to this week. Can somebody look up Micah 5, 7 through 9? Micah 5, 7 through 9. The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which do not wait for man or linger for mankind. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations in the midst of many peoples like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, which mauls and mangles as it goes and no one can rescue. Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies and all your foes will be destroyed. Okay. So I'm having my time with Jesus and I come across this verse and Holy Spirit says, stop right there. Stop right there. Pay attention. Do you see what I'm telling you? I want to talk to you, Tiffany, about the remnant. And I had not paid much attention to this verse in the past. This was a new revelation for me. And I stopped and thought, okay, Lord, what is it that you're trying to speak to us through this verse? So I'm going to read this to you from the message translation. It says, the purged and select company of Jacob will be like an island in the sea of peoples. They'll be like dew from God, like summer showers, not mentioned in the weather forecast, and not subject to calculation or control. Hmm. Yes, the purged and select company of Jacob will be like an island in the sea of the peoples, like a king of beasts among wild beasts, like a young lion loose in a flock of sheep killing and devouring the lambs and no one is able to stop him with your arms raised in triumph over your foes your enemies will be no more i don't know about you guys but that gets me really excited (laughs) so let's open this up a little bit 
the prophet, is telling us that the remnant of Jacob, so now his context historically is, those who are being brought back from Babylon. So remember that Israel was taken into exile because of their sin. They were taken as captives. And then the Lord brings them back. He begins to reestablish their nation. And that's the remnant, those who are being brought back. So for the prophet, it was an actual little bit, right? A remnant means like a piece or a leftover, a little bit. So for the prophet, it was a little bit of people coming back, a literal A real thing, not a figurative or spiritual thing. So he's saying that this remnant is going to be like two things, the dew and a lion. So Proverbs 19, 12. This is so cool, you guys. This is so cool. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. One verse, both concepts, same ideas. Mm. This is Solomon talking as opposed to the prophet Micah talking hundreds of years later. Okay? So they both give us the same idea. The dew and the lion, there's a connection here. Okay? So if there's a connection, we want to look and understand what that means for us. So let's first look at the dew. What does the dew do. <laughs> what does the do? What does the do do? What's the purpose of do? Any thoughts on that? Well, it hydrates. It hydrates. Mm-hmm. There's moisture in the air and it contacts something at the correct point or temperature and it forms water on the grass. It's yeah. also consistent and it covers everything. It covers everything. It's not dependent on man. Yeah, it's not dependent on man. Yeah. Yeah, Luke. I was going to say, it's kind of a unique concept because dew is the amount of water in a, say, a cubic foot of air, and it only happens when the air drops to a certain point that it calls the dew point. Mm-hmm. If the temperature doesn't get to that point, you'll have, the atmosphere will have water in it. There's water in the atmosphere right now. But if it doesn't get to that temperature of cooling, it doesn't actually form, which is why we didn't have dew this morning because there's temperatures are high. Yeah. And to me, the, the dew is really important symbolically, first of all, for the Israelites coming out of Egypt mm-hmm. um, because of the distribution of manna. And then also later, we have Gideon checking to see if he is actually hearing God correctly mm-hmm. using the dew as that test. Yeah, so the dew in Scripture, and you guys can do a word study on this. It's fascinating. The dew in Scripture represents the favor and the provision and the goodness of the Lord. Favor, provision, and goodness. So when we read that Scripture from Proverbs 19 where it says the king's favor is like dew on the grass, there's this direct connection between dew and the idea of God's favor. Okay, so... Follow me on this, you guys. We know that in Scripture, water represents the Holy Spirit, right? In fact, if I read you guys Isaiah 44, 3, you know this verse, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So we know water, Holy Spirit, okay? So when we think about the dew, we know that dew is actually water, automatically we can equate that with the Holy Spirit. Now, keep that in mind as we bring this into the natural realm and talk about what Cindy described, okay? 
The only time there's dew, I looked this up, I didn't know this. The only time there's dew is if there's water in the atmosphere. Okay, think about that. It has to be an atmosphere that's permeated with water. You can't see it. You don't really know it. You don't pay attention to it. It's there. And it's hydrating. It might make you feel a little muggy. It might make you feel a little sticky, right? Uh, depending on the, the weather conditions. But the atmosphere is permeated with water. Then at just the right point, there's a contact with that water and the dew drops onto whatever it contacts, right? Now, here's the cool thing. Let me read this to you guys. Humid locations are more likely to experience dew than arid areas. Dew forms a protective barrier on the leaf. It means that the plant retains more moisture in its cells, making it resilient in hot, dry conditions. For some species of plant, dew is actually hydration. They can actually absorb it into their cells and take the water in. So think about this, guys. If the remnant is like dew, hmm. if the remnant is like dew, that means we have to be in an atmosphere that's permeated with water, saturated with water, okay? Now, are there places where we could go where that's not the case? Yes. Yes, there are. There are dry places. There are barren places. There are wilderness places. But for us to release the favor of the Lord, we have to be in an environment that's saturated with the Spirit. Yeah. Then when we are and there's contact at just the right point, we then release the favor of God on the people that we come into contact Amen. with, literally coating them in the water of the Spirit and depending on the plant, depending on the person, they will actually absorb that into themselves as moisture. Come on, isn't that cool? <laughs> this is mind-blowing to me. This is so cool. Okay, so this is one of the qualities of the remnant. Now, I'm not talking about the church. You guys follow me? I'm talking about the remnant. This is who the remnant is. This is how we live. This is how we walk. This is our mentality. We are the favor of God in the land that we're living in. That's who we are. The Lord told me three weeks ago, pay attention to the times and the seasons. Now, this was a repeat of a word that he gave me back in January. In January, he took me through a crazy prophetic encounter and told me it's very important for you to know the time and the season in which you are living. So three weeks ago, he told me again, pay attention to the times and the seasons. And then he said this, church, he said, this is a season of miracles, Praise God. a season of miracles. And then he took me to a picture of this young boy with a jar in his hand and he was pouring water out into the mouth of a fish. Into the mouth of a fish. Question. Were to be fishers of men. Were to pour out the water of the spirit into the mouths of the fish so that they're getting the living water and we're pulling them in. So he said, this is what's going to be happening. It's a season of miracles. You're going to see the Holy Spirit being poured out on the lost being poured out on those who are thirsty, and you're going to see my power displayed in mighty ways. Now, what does this have to do with the dew? 
if we know that God is saying, this is the season that you're in, we need to be acting accordingly with boldness and faith. So in other words, God's already said, this is a season of miracles. God's already said, I'm moving in power, which gives us the confidence and the boldness to say, hey, you want some living water? Are you thirsty? Yeah. Thank you. Ready for healing? Ready for signs and wonders in your life? Ready for transformation? Because this is it. God's ready to meet you. I'm telling you what, he's ready to pour out on you. And I've got a container of the Holy Spirit. I can just pour a little bit out on you. That's the season that the Lord says we're in. So I just want to release that prophetic piece because that's very important tied into the word declaring that the remnant is like dew. Now, the remnant also is like a lion. So, what are some characteristics of a lion? King of the forest. King of the forest. I could be king of the forest. Protector. Protector. Yeah. Fierce, protector, king, courageous. Yeah. Defender. Yeah, defender. They're not afraid of anything, right? Deadly. Deadly. They have no natural predators. Very loud. They roar. Fearless. Yeah, they're fearless. Very strong, exactly, Zach. Does anybody want to look up Revelation 5 5? One of my favorite verses. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So good. So Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So as he is, so we are to be in this world, right? That's what scripture tells us. So he calls us lions. Now, I want to share some cool facts about lions that I learned when I was studying this. Lions, as you guys know, live in community. They don't live in isolation. Those communities are called prides. And here's the coolest thing. Those territories like you know each pride has its own territory and the territory will be passed down from generation to generation i'm gonna say that again the territory that a pride has will be passed down from generation to generation of lions that's in the natural realm that is a powerful witness to us right of how god wants to work through us Generation to generation. <laughs> My territory becomes your territory, and so on and so on, okay? That's how lions were created to live. Psalm 19, verse seven through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Now, why is that verse important? When Jesus returns as a lion, no longer as a lamb, what is he going to bring on the face of the earth? Judgment and justice. He will not come back as a lamb. We saw him the first time as a lamb. He's going to come as a lion. So if we look at what a lion carries and what they bring, we see that one of the things a lion does or represents is the justice and the judgment of God. 
as the remnant, it is our call to release the justice and the judgment of God. Now, when I say judgment, I'm not saying we are to judge people, but we are to release what Psalm 19 just said. The judgments of God are righteous. They are pure. They are beautiful. They are sweeter than honey and the honeycomb better than gold. Those are the judgments of God that we as the lions release. We bring that into an atmosphere and environment, into our territory, And we roar and we say, this is the justice of God. Mm -hmm. These are the judgments of God. And that shakes and transforms the territory that we're in. I think it's easy for us sometimes to think, oh, yeah, we're the remnant. Oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're part of that small group of people that is really hungry for God, really following hard after God, really wanting to pursue him. And we should be thinking that we should characterize ourselves in that category. Right. But scripture is teaching us here. If we're going to be in that category, it means that we're going to look like something. If we want to pursue who God has called us to be as the remnant on the face of the earth in this hour, we will release the favor of God and we will release the justice of God. Now, last thing I want to share is I've just been reading a book called Letter to the American Church. Heavyweight, heavy duty book. I would really recommend you read it. You will not be the same. But. Eric Metaxas, who is the author of this book, basically is indicting the American church and saying, wake up because you are on the precipice. And then he calls the church into this place of saying, why are you not speaking out the justice of God into your environment, into your territory? And by justice, he means when somebody says, hey, LBGTQ, I'm cool with that. Why do we stay silent? Abortion, trafficking, there's so much, right? And he basically is saying the church has been silent for far too long because we want people to think we're loving. We're not judgmental. We're cool with you. But he paints this powerful picture of if we continue down this path, we will end up like some of the other churches in history that their nations went into desecration. So what I want to encourage us in this morning is we get to bring these these twofold things, the favor of God to come to salvation, to be saturated in the spirit, to encounter miracles and the justice of God to speak with boldness and say, no, this needs to shift. We will not accept that. We cannot embrace that. We must stand. We must declare because in our territory, we're going to see the line of the tribe of Judah exalted here. That's the remnant. Let's pray. (laughs) All right. Jesus. (laughs) This is humbling, God. This is humbling, Lord. Lord, we are weak, but you are strong. And it is in our very weakness that you show forth your strength. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be those who walk by faith and not by sight. Mm -hmm. You've called us to be those who don't bow before idols, Lord. You've called us to stand in the face of evil and declare the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. 
And I ask you, Holy Spirit, would you saturate us afresh this morning? Would you pour out all over us like the dew, Lord? Would you fill our cups to overflow so that we can go out and fill others? Lord, we we just want to repent this morning. We want to repent for complacency. We want to repent for preoccupation with our own lives, only being focused on ourselves. We want to repent, Lord, for holding back when we should speak. We want to repent for not lavishing people with your love and for not literally saying, I've got a miracle here for you. Lord, we repent and we ask that you would make us bold, participants in your remnant this morning. So I bless my brothers and sisters this morning. I bless them and I call all of us up higher this morning, Lord, that our minds would shift, our hearts would shift, and we would chase after these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.